Well, hello, Heritage. Welcome to all of you at each of our locations, QC West, Bettendorf here, Rock Island, those joining us online. Thanks for being here. This is week two of our Heroes series, where we're looking at how we move from an ordinary life to an extraordinary one. And we kicked it off last week by looking at a few simple truths that really form the foundation for the rest of the journey. Things like everyone is on a journey. We're all on a journey. We're all in this thing called life. Life is a journey. But life is not a problem to be solved. It is an adventure to be lived. And it's not just any adventure. It's an extraordinary one because an extraordinary life is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Jesus. And that changes everything. It's not just a problem to be solved. It is an adventure to be lived. The Lord himself says he has a purpose and a plan for each one of us, one to give us hope and a future. It's not to harm us. And we're supposed to live into those opportunities that he brings in front of us to make the most of them along the way, making the most of every opportunity. And and that's great, but sometimes we just don't know how to do that. An opportunity comes in front of us, a challenge drops before us, and we don't know what to do. We try to figure out what's the extraordinary life response to this, and we just can't figure it out. We struggle. And the deal is that God wants far more for us than we often realize or are willing to believe. And we'll often settle for less. We'll limit ourselves to the probable because we fear the impossible. And that's the beginning of an ordinary life. Commonplace, unexceptional. But God made us for more. He calls us to the extraordinary. In fact, the definition of extraordinary is beyond what is usual or ordinary. Exceptional in character, amount, extent, degree, noteworthy, remarkable. We're called to an extraordinary life. God has made us for more. Now, I want to take a moment. I want to revisit something that we did last week. As we kicked off the series, I invited all of us to identify our favorite superhero. And then I ask you to turn to somebody next to you and in your best superhero voice declare that you were that superhero. Now I realize for some that made you uncomfortable. And I just want to be careful and clarify something with you. I believe it is okay to be yourself. You are special just the way you are. You don't have to pretend to be anybody else to be special. You should be you. That is actually advice I have given to my children for years. In fact, I bought my youngest son, Daniel, a motivational bracelet about three weeks ago that had sound advice on it that really captures my heart and my belief, and I want to read it to you today to reaffirm what I believe and eliminate any confusion as we continue forward in this hero's journey. It says, always be yourself, and I think that is sound advice. But then it says, unless you can be Batman then always be Batman. And I just wanted to clarify that as we begin this series because I want no confusion about where I stand on this issue. Listen, we were made for more. We're made for an extraordinary life. But we don't always live into that. We have the image of God in us. Jesus came so that we can live that extraordinary life. And he said this way. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That is not... Now, it's not that he came for us to live in an ordinary way. He came for us to live in an extraordinary way by his power at work and in us. We are not made for an ordinary life, but an extraordinary one. And there is a particular journey that helps us move towards that kind of life. And we looked at this last week. We started to understand that we start here. We start in what we can just simply call the natural world. 
We have a physical body. We can see things. We, we feel things. We have emotions. But we are not only physical, we are spiritual. And sometimes we struggle to reconcile the two. How do those two fit? How do they mix between? But we all have been given a purpose and a plan in life. We are here. And whether we're living fully into that or not is still the question. Yet we all make decisions of how we're going to live and love and relate. And so our journeys may look slightly different. But every one of us have this push, this pull for something more. Like there's just got to be more out there. There's something beyond what I can see, something I can't see that draws me and pulls me and pushes me to more. And that thing that is beyond is really, it's really pointing to and talking to the supernatural. There is both a natural and a supernatural. There is the physical and the spiritual, the known and the unknown, the seen and the unseen. In some ways you can say this is safe and this is risky. And we all have this pull towards something more. And we realize that for order for us to go from natural to supernatural, we need some external influence on us, something else outside of us to help us do that. In the hero world, the comic book world, that's science experiments gone wrong. It's lightning strikes and spider bites and special cool equipment. But we need something beyond us that pushes us from the natural to the supernatural. And when we do that, we continue in this journey to a place of struggle. This is where challenge and temptation come. This is where we have an enemy who's seeking to stop the journey. It's in the struggle. It leads us to a point of that defining moment. This is the crisis crossroads moment where we make a decision. We all make a decision at this point. Sometimes it's a good decision that leads to good, and sometimes it's a bad decision that leads to worse. But whatever decision we make at that defining moment means that we are changed. We're no longer the same. Something changes in us. We have a new identity that positions us to go back and return to life. This is the basic reality of the journey. And what starts out as something that is ordinary leads through this more, the struggle, the change reality, the return. It starts when a hero steps through it saying, look, I know something. There's an awareness that I have. Because I know that, I'm going to choose to join into something that is beyond me. As I do that, I enter into a struggle, but I'm going to fight. And that enemy that seeks to stop the process, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to fight in that, and I'm going to make a decision here that positions me where I yield to something more. And I am transformed. But I'm not just transformed to stay here. I'm transformed to go back and to live a different life. In fact, it's no longer ordinary. It's extraordinary. This is the hero's journey. We see it in literature, we see it in movies, and this resonates for us. Because the reality is that every story gets its start from one story. That's the story of God. And so the grand and epic stories that stir our hearts do so because at their core, we not only find something we relate to, but we find God's story and the journey that we're on. And life is lived in the context of this journey. And we don't understand that life is lived in the context of this journey. Then we will misinterpret nearly everything that happens to us and around us. We are made not for the ordinary, but for the extraordinary. Yet one of the challenges we face in this life, in this world, is that we live in a world of impossibilities. Or at least significant limitations. It was a while back that we had some conversation around things that humans can't do. I mean, the reality is we can't know everything. We can't please everybody every time. And, and you know what? There, there are some physical limitations for us. We can't sneeze with our eyes open. 
we can't tickle ourselves. The only exception is maybe with your tongue on the roof of your mouth. And some of you are trying that right now. Go ahead, try it. There are just physical limitations, things we can't do. And those limitations have led to challenges or people are challenging to eat or drink something in a certain amount of time, like to consume a gallon of milk in less than an hour. Listen, don't ever do that. It's not possible. Your stomach can't hold it. Everything goes wrong and you end up regretting it. But there's challenges out there that push that. Don't, cha- don't try that kind of thing. If you want to try something, try to touch your tongue to your nose. Go ahead, do that. That is nearly impossible for the ordinary person. It's impossible. Or better yet, try to lick your elbow. Everybody, go ahead and do that. Try, try to lick your elbow. Come on, give it a shot. It's nearly impossible. For the, it's impossible for the ordinary person. It's way easier to lick somebody else's nose and elbow. But please don't do that either because that would be gross. But listen, there are just some things in this world for humans it's just impossible to do. And we can accept that. That's okay. But what about the things that are possible that we miss out on because we think they aren't? You know, as I have counseled and and met with people and mentored people, I have found a reoccurring problem that we often limit ourselves to the probable. We settle for the sure thing. We, we settle for the good enough. And we avoid risk because we don't want to have risk in our life. And it's often because somewhere along the way, someone said, you know what? You can't. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. It just can't be done. But listen, despite what the world says, God made you for more. He made you for the extraordinary. You're wired for more. And even though we live in a world of impossibilities and significant limitations... Things change when the natural and the supernatural collide. That's when the impossible becomes possible. And that's why the missionary and church planner Paul wrote these words. He said, I can do all this through him, Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. That's that's awesome. That's great. I love it. We can do all this through him who gives us strength. Even Job in the Old Testament, he said, I know that you, talking to God, can do all things. No one can thwart your plan. The prophet Jeremiah said, nothing is too hard for you, O Lord. And the angel who showed up to Mary and said, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be Jesus, said nothing is impossible with God. That's great. It's wonderful. But why don't we live that way? Why don't we live in a way where all things, where all this is possible through Him? Why don't we step into that with confidence? I mean, I think it really has to do with we don't often live into this journey. We don't step with what we should know and understand and then walk through the rest of this process where God can show up and merge the natural and the supernatural and make this extraordinary thing. And so we settle for less in life. But this is where I think it's important for us to step into Scripture and look at the example of someone who's walked this journey. See, the series is designed to help us be a person who lives fully into the things that God has for us. So here's the deal. If you've got a Bible, I want you to grab it and turn with me to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel. So if you're Joshua, Judges, Ruth, you hit the Samuels, get the Kings and Chronicles, you went too far. 1 Samuel chapter 14. And this is by far, hands down, one of my favorite parts of Scripture. So as you're turning there, let me just paint the picture for a moment. We're picking up the story with the the nation of Israel. God's people are at war. They're at war with a group of people called the Philistines. 
And Saul is currently king over Israel. In fact, Saul was the first king over united Israel. He became king at age 30. He will end up serving 40 years. He has a son named Jonathan. And in the moment that we're picking this up in chapter 14, Saul is hanging out under a pomegranate tree, chilling with about 600 warriors from the, from the nation of Israel, just waiting. But not far from there, guarding a nearby pass, is a garrison of Philistine soldiers. It's a kind of a tense moment because they are at war, and it's a bit of an old-school standoff. Saul and his men waiting here, and the garrison in a defensive position over there. Until Jonathan steps up, out of the blue, and he turns to his armor-bearer, and he says this. He says, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. Now, I like that. It's bold, it's courageous, but it also moves from ordinary to extraordinary. And here's why. See, most of us, we most often limit ourselves to the probable because we fear the impossible. Most of us limit ourselves to the sure thing, to the probable thing, to the thing we can access because we fear the impossible. And these guys, Jonathan's saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to step into something more. I'm going to live into something more. And that was bold. But in order for us to truly appreciate all that Jonathan was talking about, we really need to understand his scenario. I mean, he was, he was outnumbered, he was outpositioned, outmaneuvered, and he's outgunned. Well, actually, not really guns. They were swords, but you get the picture. This was a very challenging situation. In fact, the journey from the pomegranate tree to the outpost went along a pathway that had a cliff on either side. This was a difficult situation, but despite all that, he goes. Now, some of you may recall that after college, I served in the army as an officer. In fact, Beth and I both served in the military, and I'd like to show you a picture of us back when we were still cadets in college, before we were married, we were still dating, and I don't even recognize that person anymore. She says she's my wife, but I, no, I'm, I'm talking about me. Me. Okay, totally look different, but she's just as beautiful as ever. Listen, I am proud of my military service. I am grateful for those that have served before and those who are serving now. Every day, absolutely, every day, you and I reap the benefit of those who serve. And there's something about those who served in the military. When they look at this scenario in 1 Samuel 14, they see something. They readily recognize that this thing was a bit challenging. It's, it's, it's not the normal scenario. It's, it's a little bit different than what others would say. In fact, if you ask any military historian or tactician, they would say what Jonathan was seeking to do was, was a bad idea because he was at a complete disadvantage in every way. Just consider this. He was attacking a defending force. So anybody who's in a defensive position has an advantage over the attacker. He was also attacking uphill. The Philistines had the high ground. That gives them an advantage. In, in addition to that, historically speaking, an attacking force usually wanted to have three attackers for every one defender. That really assured your ability to be successful. At best, in this scenario, at best, it was one attacker to ten defenders. And on top of that, the Philistines had far more resources. In fact, if we back up into chapter 13, we'll find out that of the entire Israelite army, those 600 men plus Saul and Jonathan, 602 people, there was only, count them, two swords. Two. Saul had one and Jonathan had the other. Everybody else had plow points, axes, sickles. 
This was a very challenging situation. From a military perspective, from a common sense perspective, what Jonathan planned to do was ridiculous. Yet in verse 6, he says this, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, I like his spirit. I like his heart. But golly gee, man, from a human perspective, what Jonathan sought to do was at best unrealistic and more likely just plain old absurd. It was certain to be a loss that anyone with good sense would have expected that Jonathan and his armor bearer would have died on that hillside. But here's something that is important for us to know, and that is that God is not limited to our expectations. God is not limited to our expectations, nor what is possible. You see, Jonathan knew something that allowed him to move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. He knew something about the power of God at work in his life that makes all things possible. And so he was able to make that transition. So here was their plan. Their plan was to work their way across that that access to the point that they could show themselves to the Philistines. And their plan was that the Philistines said, hey, wait right there. What we write down, then they would wait. But the Philistines said, hey, come on up here. They would take that as a sign that God had delivered the Philistines into their hands and they would climb up and they would fight. This is a ridiculous plan. But that's what they do. They go over, they stick their heads up from behind the rocks, they show themselves to the Philistines. The Philistines are like, hey, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of, crawling out of the holes in the ground. And then they say, hey, come on up here, man. Come up here, Hesse. I want to teach you a lesson. Well, I don't know why I'm using a Hispanic accent for that. Because they didn't really say Hesse either. But they're like, hey, come on up to us. We want to teach you a lesson. And at that moment, Jonathan's like, game on. He turns to his armor bearer. He literally says this. He says, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up using hand and foot. That's how steep this thing was. And his armor bearer right behind him. Now get this. These guys attacked a larger defensive force uphill with one sword. Crazy. And they didn't die. In fact, they defeated 20 Philistine warriors. Their action roused the Israelite army hanging out underneath the tree who joined the fight. It led to a grand victory. It's extraordinary. In fact, it's in verse 15. We can read that the panic struck, uh, the, then panic struck the whole Philistine army. Those in the camp, in the field, those in the outposts, in the raiding parties, parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Now, I love a number of things about this story. I love the faith and courage of Jonathan. I love the trust and loyalty of the armor bearer. But what I most love about this story is the beauty of what God can do with the impossibilities in our life when we trust him with everything we have, even if it's little. Even if it's little. God isn't limited to our expectations. You know, T.S. Eliot has a great line I really like. It motivates me. 
It says only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. That stirs me a bit. And I share it because far too often we limit ourselves to the probable. We don't risk. We work toward things we know we can accomplish. But, but then that leads us to lower our expectations, to modify our goals, and to shrink from opportunities, especially the God-sized ones. We limit ourselves to the probable, and we end up waiting under the pomegranate tree, and we miss out on being part of the miraculous. Look, I, I realize that sitting here today at each of our locations are people with incredible potential in Jesus. Just, just look around. All of our locations, look around at the people next to you. Look at their faces. Look at the backs of their heads. I don't care. Look at the people around you. They have incredible potential in Jesus. In fact, turn to someone, turn to anybody, and tell them, you are extraordinary in Jesus. I'm serious. Turn to somebody. You are extraordinary in Jesus. You're extraordinary in Jesus. Now, you may feel weird saying it. You may feel weird hearing it. Like, oh, it's not true in me. Listen, it is true. You have incredible, extraordinary potential in Jesus. Don't settle for the probable. Don't settle. Here's the deal. Yet Some of you are right now carrying burdens, living in brokenness, struggling with wounds and worry because you do not understand that God wants to overcome the impossibilities in your life. He wants to overcome the impossibilities in your life. He wants to use you and them for more. And there are hills to take, there are battles to fight, which is why it's increasingly important that we remain in a forward-leaning posture with expectancy, like Jonathan, being willing to demonstrate faith and courage as we risk and say, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. God wants to overcome the impossibilities in your life. And this first Samuel 14 scenario was really an impractical endeavor. It was certain to fail unless God showed up. But that's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. And as a result, it mobilized the Israelite army. There was a crazy, cool victory that came out of it. And then there's this really amazing moment of reconciliation. As people of the nation of Israel who had fled, who had hid, who had gone over to the Philistine side, return back and are reconciled to their own people. That's amazing. You can read about it more. You want to go get into Scripture, go read about that. But I want you to know this. Whatever you face today, God can make you victorious. God can use you as an example to motivate somebody else for more. And God can restore broken relationships that are marked by failure, betrayal, and even abandonment. He wants to overcome the impossibilities in your life. But here's the, the big defining question. Are you willing or are you waiting? Are you willing or are you waiting? There's a difference. Saul was waiting. He was delaying. He was tarrying under the pomegranate tree. Jonathan was willing and therefore he was going. Are you willing or are you waiting? 
It's really interesting that in the previous chapter, Saul actually gets in trouble for not waiting. They're getting ready to attack the Philistines in another scenario, and, and they needed to offer the sacrifice, and instead of waiting for the priest Samuel to come and do that, Saul does it on his own, and he gets in huge trouble with huge implications. And some may say, well, he's just waiting and being more careful this time. No, that is not the case. This is a totally different scenario. And I don't know why he was waiting. He was either scared, insecure. He was doubting himself. He just thought the risk was too great. I don't know, but he was unwilling. He was waiting. Are you willing or are you waiting? Let's move this to the so what reality for us. Here's the deal, that with God, we're able to be and do things that are impossible on our own. Jesus, he, Jesus himself said that we can do nothing apart from him, but with him, all things are possible. So that's the foundation by which we can function, and that is a game changer for us. And it means that the impossibilities that are before us are no longer limitations, but rather opportunities. Opportunities, and extraordinary opportunities for the power of God to be at work in our lives, to fix what's broken, to restore what's been lost, to heal a broken heart, to take what's bad and make it good, to take what's awful and make it awesome, to do the miraculous. Whatever the impossibility is in your life, God wants to help you. But you have a part to play, and it starts with what you know. It starts with knowing. And knowing Jesus makes the ordinary pedestrian. Pedestrian is dull. Uh, it's matter of fact. It's, it's commonplace. It, it makes, knowing Jesus makes the ordinary dull, but it makes the extraordinary possible. And that's a game changer. When we know who God is, we live in the freedom of that awareness. But when we don't know, then we doubt. Then we hesitate. We delay. We wait under the pomegranate trees of life and we don't truly know him, which means we love him, which means we trust him, which means we obey him. Knowing matters. You know, when I was a kid, I loved a cartoon that was out. It was called G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Anybody remember it? Okay, a few of you. I love that cartoon. At the end of every uh, week, they had a public service announcement where they did a life lesson and a safety tip or something like that. And as part of that was a two-part phrase. They said every time they taught that life lesson or whatever that safety tip was, and let me see if any of you remember it, it was always this. It would say, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Yeah, knowing is half the battle. Listen, that's true. Knowing was half the battle for Jonathan, just what he knew. Knowing is half the battle. Knowing matters. Just think of a time where you knew something as opposed to when you didn't know. Like, like a test. Think of a time where you took a test where you knew the answers and a time that you took a test where you didn't know the answers. Really different experience, wasn't it? I remember the test that I knew the answers. I could answer them quickly. I'd fly through, low stress, did well, got done with plenty of time. Those tests where I didn't quite know the answers, a little different. Stressful. I struggled. I used all my allotted time to answer multiple choice or what I like to call multiple guess questions. It was awful. When we know, it's fast. And, and what we know of God determines how we handle what is unknown. When we know, we go. When we don't know, we wait. When we know, we go. Look, Jonathan didn't know everything. 
There are plenty of unknowns in this scenario for him. He didn't know how it would turn out. He didn't know what it would cost. He didn't know how others would respond. He didn't know how the Philistines would respond or the Israelites. He didn't know that the Philistines would turn and in a panic they'd run and then they'd end up fighting themselves. He didn't know that the Israelites would rally to him. There were plenty of unknowns, but there were things that he did know and that defined everything. He knew who God was. He knew who the enemy was. He knew what should and shouldn't be, right and wrong. And he knew that waiting, doing nothing, was not God-honoring. And he also knew that victory and success come from God, not by his power and his might, but by his power and his might. Knowing matters, and knowing Jesus is what distinguishes an ordinary life from an extraordinary one. It's how God bridges the natural and the supernatural. It's where the impossible becomes possible, and God creates a new normal. It's where Jesus said in Matthew 19, he said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God wants to overcome the impossibilities in your life, whatever they are. That loss, that wound, that obstacle, that habit, that addiction, that missing thing. If we would just seek to live more by faith than sight. When we do that, then our, our, knowing, our knowing it moves to living it. Because knowing is only half the battle, right? Because the next step in the journey is to actually join. It's, it's to join. Jonathan didn't just know something. He moved that knowledge into action by faith. Look, Saul knew. Saul knew. But he didn't move to join. Jonathan took what he knew and he moved it to joining. And the deal in, the, in that joining reality is that we will always be called by God to risk beyond recovery, but not beyond his cover. God calls us to risk beyond ourselves, beyond what we can control, beyond what we can do, but not beyond his cover. It's really just beyond us, but not beyond God. And that's the place where faith and obedience collide with dependence. And we, like Jonathan, need to step out into God's will, beyond our ability, into places where we demonstrate our dependence on God, pursuing his purpose, his plan, and his will. Not ours, his not our own stuff, because we, we don't want to move outside of God's cover. In fact, when it comes to stepping out into these moments, we can, we can overshoot and undershoot. In fact, Saul undershot. Hanging out by the, by the pomegranate tree was an undershooting. Jonathan could have overshot if he had any idea that what he was doing was his own strength. He was trying to do it on his own, even if it was motivated out of a good heart to do it for God. He would have overshot. But what he did, he did in dependence on God, out of obedience to God. And that's where God shows up and does the extraordinary. Because God will only cover what he says he'll do. He doesn't cover what we say he'll do. We need to risk beyond recovery, but not beyond his cover. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord saved Israel that day in 1 Samuel 14, but that wasn't the end. In fact, here in verse, four, verse 23 is what it says. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth -Aben. Notice that the Lord brought victory. The Lord brought victory, and the battle advanced. The mission continued. 
Listen, in, in the days and weeks and months to come, you are going to be positioned to do extraordinary things. And it is my prayer that the Lord will find you boldly advancing, expecting Him to act in your behalf as you make the most of the opportunities He brings in front of you. We, we all have a, a call to adventure. When we know that, we're compelled to join. When we can't wait any longer under the tree, when we know we have that call. When we know who God is and who we are before Him, everything changes. And as we take that step, we know there's a need for another. We need that external influence. And so we need God and His power at work in us to move us from natural to supernatural. But we also aren't supposed to do it alone. We need the armor bearers of life. We're not supposed to do life alone. We're supposed to do life together. That's why we talk about living linked here as a church. Doing life together in relationship. As we do that, then we can join and partner and commit. And we can be part of something, some movement that is bigger than us, a movement of God that can transform our families and our communities with the hope of Christ. We can even change our nation. We can rally our nation into obedience to God as we risk beyond recovery but not beyond discover because God wants to overcome the impossibilities in our lives. So let him, let him all he needs is someone to step out in obedience and faith and to say, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Look, I know we are all tempted to consider certain things impossible that really aren't. And, and popular opinion may indicate that something is unrealistic. But followers of Jesus have the potential to literally change the world. In him, by his power. So know and then step to join. And you enter the rest of that journey where there is a fight, where we yield in greater dependence, and we are transformed, and we live in a totally new way. I, I don't know what your Philistine garrison is today, but I do know this, that the Lord wants to lead you to overcome it victoriously. He is the overcomer, and we really can do all things through him who gives us strength when we get out of the way and we set everything else aside to follow him, him and his leading, where the natural and the supernatural collide, where what was impossible now becomes possible, where his power is at work in us and life is never the same. Whatever your Philistine garrison is, he wants to lead you to overcome it. And I'm telling you, today's the day he wants to do that. He doesn't want another day to go by with you under the tree. He wants you to move out in confidence, risking and depending in him so that he can show up and do the impossible. So if you've never had a conversation with God where you've asked Jesus into your life, you've found forgiveness, received the gift of eternal life, and now walking with God, I want to encourage you to do that. That's your Philistine garrison. That's the obstacle in your life that's keeping you from the extraordinary life. And on the back of your sermon note guide are a couple of steps and an example prayer of what you can pray right now, right where you're at, to move in a step from ordinary to extraordinary. If you're someone within our family that's already made that decision, then maybe today is an opportunity for you to recommit, to ask for forgiveness for waiting under the tree, uh, to really step out again and risk beyond recovery but not beyond God's cover so that he can bring glory to himself through your life. You were made for more. We were made for an extraordinary life. And as we continue in this journey, my prayer is that we will continue to seek and step into that journey more fully.
So let's take a moment to pray, and maybe you'll pray and have your own conversation as I lead a prayer. But this is an opportunity to just spend a few moments for the Father and ask Him to continue to lead us from ordinary to extraordinary according to His purpose and plan. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to spend a little bit of time in your word, in worship, among your people. Father, I, I'm grateful that you have made a way for us to know you, to join you, to follow you, and to live into an extraordinary supernatural life. I pray that you'd forgive us for the times we've not done that, or when we've hung out under the pomegranate tree, or we've been waiting rather than willing. But I pray today you'd stir within us a new willingness to risk beyond ourselves but not beyond you, and you'd be able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine in our lives. For my friends here today that don't know your son as Savior, I pray that you'd begin to continue just beckon them to yourself. Call them, tell them of your love, and invite them into more. And those that do know you, may none be satisfied with what is, but may we understand that there is more. You call us to more. So Father, help us to know what are those Philistine garrisons that you want to just remove from being in front of us so that you can do what you want to do in and through us. Thank you for the ability that, that we have to receive Jesus, to have his power at work in our lives, and for you to do a new thing. I thank you. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.